Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah and Mark. I appreciate him being with us uh, here today and uh, such a a good reminder and uh, such a wonderful, wonderful song. Well, listen, I'll tell you, you guys kind of blew me away, man. It's Merry Christmas, and uh, you guys are here on Christmas Day, and uh, what a good uh, a good crowd. And uh, in fact, turn to your neighbor right now and tell him Merry Christmas. And uh, I tell you, like, um, where are the kids at? If you're a kid in here, can you wave at me? There we go. I, I want to know you're there. Thank you, Jeff Beverly. It's good to see you. And uh, I tell you, I'm so excited that the kids. And uh, so, parents, you're looking forward to a nap, if uh, many of you were uh, up and at them early this morning, possibly. And, uh, but I am so glad that your family is here uh, on Christmas. And uh, I tell you, it's good to have our family here. We got some from, from Florida, and uh, they've never seen cold the way they've experienced cold the last couple of days. And uh, they go out, and they are just bundled up. I'm thinking, are you guys going snowing? No, we're just going to the grocery store. And so, and uh, but no, it's good. I'm glad they're here, and I'm glad you have your family uh, here. And uh, I'm so glad the Dixons are here. I just saw you guys. It has been so long since I've seen y'all, and uh, I love uh, days like this. And so we can. Uh, connect and uh, just see uh, people, and uh, it's so good to see everybody uh, here. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can go to First John chapter one. And uh, before we uh, jump in, I just wanted to say, if you missed Wednesday night, um, we had just a great family Christmas service. And uh, just tremendous. Uh, I would encourage you, if you get a chance to, maybe go back, watch it online. Uh, It's not the same as being here in the room, but if you weren't able to be here this past week, uh, it is an opportunity for you to go back and tune in. Uh, I love doing things like that. I love bringing families together uh, as much as possible to celebrate uh, the real meaning of the season this time of year. And so we did candlelight. Uh, we didn't burn the place down, praise God for that. And, uh, and we just had a good time, had communion together, sang Christmas carols. The kids sang, uh, which is always, I feel like, a highlight uh, in our family uh, services. Pastor Grady was able to read the Christmas story to the children, uh, which was just a special time and uh, just a good, good time. I appreciate you being here. We had a great attendance Wednesday. I mean, we really packed this place out on Wednesday night. And uh, which was so exciting and so uh, just a fun time. And I appreciate everybody who had their hand in that day to make it, uh, to make it a successful, uh, successful uh, day. And, uh, and I know, like, listen, I, I mean this when I say this. You guys have plans today. Many of you are getting together at lunch uh, with family. Uh, some of you might be even driving somewhere today. Uh, to see family, and uh, I really can't tell you enough how grateful I am that you are here, and uh, and how faithful you guys are, and I just greatly, greatly appreciate uh, that. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? And uh, I tell you, this time of year is a time, I know it's uh, not Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, uh, but still, uh, each and every day, uh, this season is an opportunity to remember back that Jesus came to earth to be born uh, so that he could one day die to take away the sins of the world. And uh, that means we have a lot to be thankful for, and uh, so I encourage you to uh, spend some time as a family just remembering that, 
read the Christmas story together and, uh, and just remember everything that Jesus has done for you. I also wanted to mention one thing that uh, we can give God praise for uh, today uh, that I really want you to know. I don't want to steal uh, Pastor Bailey's thunder. He might mention this at the end, uh, but you all know in here, our church people, if you're visiting uh, with us today, Pastor Bailey's wife, Michelle, who is here today, which we're so excited that she's here and Joseph's here, and um, she actually uh, has, um, you know, had some health concerns recently that we have been praying for, and uh, she had a ri- she's been on medication with her heart over the last several weeks, and so this past Thursday, just a couple of days ago, uh, she went to. Uh, she went to uh, check everything out, see how things are progressing, get an idea if the medication is working. And uh, when she went on Thursday afternoon, she went in, and the doctor told her her heart is functioning like normal. And uh, that is a major, major, major miracle. And, uh, and we have been praying for that. And, uh, and I just want you to know, we're celebrating with them, and I know Pastor Bailey uh, is so excited about that, his family is, Michelle is, and uh, we wanted you guys to be able to know that so that we could celebrate uh, with them, and I want you to know that God still answers prayer. And uh, so whatever you've been praying for, don't stop. He can still answer whatever prayer that is, however big it is, he can still answer that. And uh, so we are grateful for that, and we rejoice with them uh, with that good news. She is still having to take some medication just to continue that, but, uh, but definitely God is answering prayer. So do not stop uh, if you... If you would. Well, we've been in a series, and I know many of you are probably visiting uh, with family and different things. We've been in a series through the uh, month of December, our Christmas series called The Light of the World, uh, the light of the world, and we've been looking each week at a different word uh, that we use around this time of year uh, just to prove that Jesus is indeed the light of the world. And in fact, he can light up your world, and he has lit up my world. So we have looked at, at these different words. We've looked at the word hope, and uh, Jesus lit up the world because he provided hope and brought hope to a lost world, to a hopeless world. He also brought peace. He brought peace. He can, he can not only just give you peace that passeth all understanding here on this earth, but he did something that nothing else could do. He could actually give you peace with the Father. He can make your relationship at peace with the God of the the universe. Then also we looked last week at the word love, that Jesus came and he loved us. That's the reason that he, he came is because he loved you that much. Well, today we're going to look at this word. We're going to look at the word joy. Let's all say that word together, joy. We're going to look at the word joy. I want you to think about what brings you joy. What brings you joy? Many of you probably, I mean, you walk in today, you got family with you, right? That's joyful. That brings you joy. And, uh, and I, hope that, I hope it does. I'm sure it does. I know for us, we have family in town at our house. Uh, that brings us great, great joy. You know, Christmas morning is a time that, you know, we, we have joy. You know, you're opening up gifts and and things like that, whether you did that yesterday or you're doing that today or you did that this morning, uh, you get, get excited, you get, get joyful. I know my kids this morning, when they're opening up their gifts, you know, they are so excited, right? Christmas morning is an exciting thing. Uh, a lot of things can bring us 
bring us joy, uh, the different festivities of this season, all of those things are, are really, really, really good. But, but the scripture says that Jesus came to bring us joy. In fact, in Luke 2, uh, verse 10, the, the Christmas story, we know this. Many of you have read this. Pastor Grady read it to the kids on, on Wednesday. In Luke 2, verse 10, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The angel said that to the shepherds. And so when Jesus came, he brought them, he brought them joy. Now, all those things that we think about here on this earth that bring us bring us joy, family being together, gifts, the festivities, Christmas music, all these different things. Let me tell you this, that all of those things go away, right? So if our joy is placed in just those things or in anything, it eventually changes and sometimes our joy can, can change, right? When those things go away, when you're not getting gifts, when the family goes back home, when you have to go back to work, and different things like that, right? If our joy is placed in all those things, our joy is going to constantly be up and down because things like that change all the time. Well, Jesus came to this earth as the light of the world at Christmas time, and it says that the angel said to the shepherds, he's going to bring a great joy, which shall be to all people. Let me tell you this, that when Jesus came into the world, the world was a, a dark place. It, it wasn't the exciting Christmas time that you guys looked forward to. It wasn't that way when Jesus came to be born. There was, there was hostility in, in the world. The Word of God had also been, been silenced for 400 years that, that God had not spoken. His voice had not been, been heard, and, and He was silent during this time. There was hostility toward the people of God. The world was spiritually dark during that time. You see that even in, in, in Luke when Jesus was born, and Herod wanted to, wanted to kill Jesus, baby Jesus. You see, there was all this, this hostility happening in the world. It wasn't a a real bright, happy, joyful place. But yet the angels told the shepherds that Jesus' coming would bring them great joy, which would be to all people. You, me, the entire world. Here's what biblical joy is. If you want to know what biblical joy is, let me say this. It's not in gifts. It's not in the festivities. It's not in the lights. It's not in any of those things. It's found in, in Jesus. You see, he's the one that provides joy in your life and my life. And you can have joy no matter what happens in life. Here's what biblical joy is. Joy is a gift from God. It is an inner confidence. And I want you to get this. Here's what biblical, when we talk about joy this morning, here's what I want you to understand. It is an inner confidence that all is well despite difficulties. That, so when the scripture talks about joy, when, when the shepherds uh, say that uh, to the, or to the, the angels saying to the shepherds that, that great joy is going to come to all people, this is what he means, that you can have joy despite your circumstances. You can know that all is well despite whatever circumstances that you are going 
through. Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, said this, if you have no joy, there must be a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Let me tell you this, if you, if you are in here today and you do not have joy, something is wrong if you're a child of God. <clears throat> the scripture says we can have joy no matter what. Now, don't you think that our world could use a little bit more joy? You look around, everything's negative, right? Everything is, is doom and gloom. It's just not a, not a very happy kind of world that we live in. It's not a very joyful world that we live in. Don't believe me, just look on Facebook. I have to scroll through a lot of things to find something that is joyful, right? That, that is filled with the joy of the Lord. You see, Jesus' birth brings joy. Jesus, when he came to this earth, <coughs> he brought joy. He brought joy. And, and here's what I want you to understand. Jesus being born in Bethlehem isn't enough for you. You have to have him born in your heart. <coughs> Abby, can I grab the water? <clears throat> Sorry, I've been congested uh, over the last couple of days. I thought my voice was going to be good uh, today, so I apologize. So joy in your life, you can have it no matter what kind of circumstances that you are going through. And here's why. Because true joy, and this is really the big idea today, true joy is found in a who, not a what. It's found in a relationship with somebody. It's found in a person not a what. And let me tell you this, when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you get to know Jesus, the person who came to bring joy in your life, you can have lasting joy that does not change with the circumstances that you're going through. You can find joy in the worst of situations. You can find joy in the best of situations. Why? Because it's not found in a circumstance. It's not found in a thing. It's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here in 1 John chapter 1, hopefully you already uh, made your way over to 1 John chapter 1. Uh, we see the apostle John, he's writing this and and, uh, and really, the whole book, I wish we could kind of dive in. Maybe we'll do a book study on 1 John at some point. But the, the book is all about assurance. It's all about assurance. And, and it's talking about doubt. Uh, John is addressing throughout this book this idea about the Christians and making sure that they recognize that they have a genuine faith, a real faith. How do we not, not doubt? I know when I was growing up, I, I had periods of my life where I doubted, you know, where I doubted, am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? When I was really young, uh, I got saved at five years old. And so when I made that decision to trust Jesus with my life, I, I really struggled sometimes with, with doubt and, and with really just, I would go back and I would try to remember, I'd be like, am I saved? Am I not saved? And things like that. And, and uh, I would just pray the prayer again all the time as a little, little kid. And, and, and some of you might have that that story, and I got it settled later on in life, but, but that is exactly what the Apostle John's talking about throughout the book of 1 John. He's writing to give them some assurance that their faith in God is genuine, that their faith in God is genuine. And here's what he said, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, 
with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of, of life. Verse 2, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And then look at what he says here in verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. So here he's talking about the incarnation of when Jesus came, came to this earth to be born. He came from heaven. He's always been, and he comes to earth to be born. And listen, I want you to know that John's writing this, and, and the reason for this, the reason that John can write this is because he had a relationship with Jesus. He'd had an experience with Jesus. And now he's saying because of those things, his joy is full. And he's writing this to Christians so that their joy can be full. In the few moments that we have, I want you to understand that joy can be found in a person, not a thing. And that your joy today can be full regardless of your circumstances, regardless what you are happening. You say, how can I have that joy? That's the joy all of us want, right? We want the joy that when something bad happens at work, we can still have the joy of the Lord in our life. If, if we get bad, uh, you know, a bad report at a doctor's office, we can still have, have joy. Something happens in our family, we can still have, have joy. You say, how in the world can you have joy that does not change based on the situation and circumstance that we find ourselves in? How can we still have joy? It comes from two things that I want you to see in these, first, in these four verses. First is this, joy comes from a personal experience with Jesus. Joy comes from a personal experience with Jesus. You see, if you look back at verses 1 and 2, he says this. John says, that which was from the beginning. So Jesus has always, always been. Now, if you're like me, we, we like things that we can prove, right? That we can scientifically prove it makes sense that everything. Listen, if you really want your mind to kind of hurt today, start dwelling deeply on the idea that Jesus had absolutely no beginning. Because we look at it like Jesus came to be born. Well, listen, he existed long before that. In fact, what John's saying is that he has always been. God has always been. You see, God exists in three persons. One God, three persons. It's called the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see them at work throughout the entire, entire world long before Jesus came to be to be born. But Jesus, John's saying, is remember, he was from the very beginning. And then look at what he said, which we have heard. Now, John, I mean, he had literally walked, he had seen Jesus, he had heard him speak directly to him, which we have seen with our eyes. John, he, he had seen him, he'd been with him, he, he'd walked with Jesus, which we have looked upon. And our hands have even handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. In fact, we bear witness of it. 
and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. You see, John is saying that, listen, because we have seen it, because we have heard it, because we have looked upon Jesus, now, because of those things, we can have joy. Now, there, there's a lot of doctrines in Scripture that, that sometimes, like this, the doctrine of the Incarnation, sometimes it's difficult for us to understand because it's hard for us to actually explain it. You try to explain that, that God has always been, but yet God sent Jesus to be born here, but Jesus had also always been. That's very difficult to explain, but what John is saying is that even though it might be difficult for our humanistic minds to explain, it is undeniable. It's undeniable. And listen, there's a lot of things in Scripture. That's why we say that you are saved through faith. It takes a lot of faith to believe the Bible. It takes a lot of faith to believe that Jesus came to be born so that he would one day die and then rise again. You see, it takes faith in order to be, to be saved. And this doctrine of the incarnation, it gets kind of dicey in our minds. But I want you to understand that this is not something that is hard for us to really realize. In fact, I read this this week. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, there was a, a, physicist, a physicist at Yale. His name was Robert Adair. He put together this book back in 2002 on baseball. It's called The Physics of, of Baseball. And so I read a little bit of it this week. I thought this was really, really interesting. And, um, and he, he kind of dove deep into this. So this is going to get into a lot of data and your mind might start to look into this or whatever. And um, it might make your mind hurt by the end of this sermon. So I don't want to do that. But he, he said this, he, he dove deep into the idea of baseball and how baseball works and how somebody can hit a fastball going so, uh, so fast. Uh, he said that a 90 miles per hour fastball, which is normal in the major leagues, a 90 miles per hour fastball gets to the catcher's glove in 400 milliseconds. It's just about a half a second. All right. So in 400 milliseconds, the ball gets from the pitcher to the to the glove. So it's 400 milliseconds, and and he said it takes the batter's brain. 200 milliseconds to actually, while he's there, to find the ball in the air and actually decide what to do. So before the batter has even swing, swung, he's already down to 200 milliseconds before that ball is down to the glove. And then it says this, that he found out through his research that it took 100 milliseconds for the batter to actually decide to swing, to make that, that decision. So then, oh, that's 300 of the 400 milliseconds in just deciding if he is going to go in and swing the bat at all. And then he said when he started to look at the swing itself, he found that for the batter to swing, it takes him 150 milliseconds to actually swing and, and he has to, if, if, I think it was um, 150 milliseconds to swing. And, and then here's the thing. So that equals 450 milliseconds for the batter to decide to actually go with it. But it takes 400 milliseconds for the ball to get from the glove or to get from the hand to the glove. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That it actually takes longer for him. That was his research for him to hit. The ball would have already been there. 
And, and here is his whole conclusion in the physics of baseball. Some of you are going to go buy this on Amazon today. I, be, I believe it. came out in 2002. But here's what his conclusion was. He said this. He said, it does not add up. The math kind of didn't add up for him. When he did all of his research, he's like, listen, I, I don't understand that, you know, for the batter's brain, it took him a couple hundred milliseconds to kind of decide if he wants to swing. Then it's all this extra time for him to actually get his swing in there. And, and I found that it takes longer for him to kind of decide and to swing the bat than it does for the ball to get in there. So does that math add up at all? It doesn't. But he said this. Here's what we can't deny. He said, I've seen tons of batters hit the ball. He said, look, the, the math might not have added up, but I've seen tons of batters swing the bat and hit the ball. You see, the point is what John is saying here is he's saying this. He's saying, listen, some of the math might not always add up. Listen, we can argue tooth and nail about the incarnation and how all of that worked and how that put together that God has never had a beginning and God has always been, right? We can argue all day long about things like that, but let me tell you this. John is saying this. Here's what we cannot deny. It might not always make sense, and it takes a great deal of faith to actually believe in the gospel, but he says this. Here's what we can't deny. We've experienced him. We've seen him. We've heard him. We've done all that. And John is saying this, that you yourself, you might not be able to explain every question that a lost person has about your faith, but here's what you better believe you can tell them. I can't explain it all, but let me tell you this. I've experienced him. I've touched him. I've met him. I've talked with him. I've heard him speak into my life. That's what John is saying. You see, John says that that is what makes your joy full. You want joy that's overflowing? You want joy that doesn't change based on your circumstances? You want joy where when you walk in to a room, you have the joy of the Lord regardless of the news that you might receive? You want to know where it comes from? A personal experience with Jesus. If you're in here today and you say, man, I, I don't have the joy in, of the Lord, let me tell you this, something's wrong in your life or you've never met Jesus. It's that simple. It's that simple because let me tell you this, John is saying that once you meet Jesus and once you experience Jesus and once you have a personal relationship with Jesus, your joy can be full. The second thing is this, joy comes from a relationship with God. Now you say, isn't that what you just said, a, an experience with God? He mentions in verse 3, I want you to see this, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. You see, John is writing about this idea of relationship. If you're writing your Bible, I'd encourage you to underline the word fellowship. Write relationship next to that word. Fellowship. It's this communion with God. It's this communion, this relationship that you can have. You want to know where joy comes from? It comes from a personal experience with Jesus when you trust in Jesus for your life, but it also comes from being in the presence of Jesus each and every day. You want to know, have you ever met somebody that just has the joy of the Lord no matter what? They're just happy. 
I, I tell you one person, you know, many of you, if you're a church member here, you know, Miss Candace, uh, she's over here. All of us could use a little bit more of her joy. All of us definitely could use a lot of her energy, right? Man, I feel like I'm energetic until I spend five minutes talking to Candace. And then I realize, you know, I, I've not even figured out that at all. But, but it, I don't want to embarrass her. But, you know, like, she's had a tough last year, year and a half. I mean, her life has changed. I remember the day that she called me that Raymond had gone on to be with heaven, gone on to be in heaven. And I remember that. And listen, you know, when I, we get a call like that, Pastor Baylor or myself, and you get a call like that, you immediately, your posture kind of changes, and, and you start to, because you know they're hurting and things. And was she hurting? Absolutely. Absolutely she was. But you know what she was also doing in the midst of her hurt? She was rejoicing. She was rejoicing. She had a joy in the midst of that. When we went to her house and we went in there, you know, I'm expecting, you know, everything else of what you expect. No, you walk in there. It was like the joy of the Lord had filled that room, and it was overflowing. We were laughing. We were talking about the good times and, and all of these things. You say, whoa, 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 that, that's crazy. How can you do that through such a difficult time? You want to know how? When you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you are in fellowship with him each and every day, here's what happens. The result of that, what John's saying, is that a result of that is your joy is overflowing. Your joy is overflowing. You can't even put a lid on it because it's just spilling out. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want that type of joy for my life. I want that type of joy for for your life. And John says, you can have it. Isn't that, that's the best part about it, is that this joy it is not for an exclusive group of people. It's not for just a few. Aren't you thankful for that? It's not for the people that were born into a Christian family. It's not for the ones who, who kind of, you know, were born into this special, you know, whether it be a religious or a rich family or things like that. It's not for any of those things. Listen, John is saying that the joy of the Lord, the joy that Jesus came to bring for you and for me, that it says would bring joy to all people, that joy is available for, to every single person in this room. Not only the people in here, it's available to everyone out there to the family that's going to be at your house in an hour. They really need the joy. You really need the joy of the Lord to let them come. Right? That joy is available to everybody. 1 John 1, 4, these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Let me tell you this, that, that joy in life, it's not circumstances. It's not things. Kids, if you've tuned me out, I get it. I want you to hear this. There's not a gift that you receive today that can give you lasting joy the way that a relationship with Jesus can. There's not. There is not. It's nothing out there. It's not in a box. It's not in a gift. It's not in a bag. It's not in any of those things. It's not in anything on earth. The only thing that can give us joy is a relationship with Jesus. That's why a joy, our joy, it's not found in a who. Or it is found in a who. It's not found in a what. 
It's not found in a what. It's Christmas. Give me a little bit of a break, all right? (laughs) But listen, it's found in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus' birth brought joy. But I want to remind you, Jesus being born in Bethlehem, it's not enough for you. He has to be born into your heart personally. It has to be a decision that you make where you stop trusting in yourself and you start trusting in him. So my question is to, for you today on Christmas Day, are you trusting in him for your joy or are you trusting it in something else? Because if you're trusting it in any, anything else here on this earth, you're not going to find it. Your joy is going to change when all of those things change. Doctor's notice gives you bad news. Your joy is gone. You find out something bad, your joy is gone. If you're trusting in all those things, your joy is going to come and go based on the ebb and flow of life. But if you're trusting it in Jesus, John says you can have overflowing joy regardless of whatever circumstance you're going through. Have you trusted in Jesus? If not, you can do that today. That's the good news today. That's why Jesus came. He came to this earth to die to take away the sins of the whole world. And we, he invites all of us to be a part of the family of God. And you can leave here. What better day than Christmas Day to trust in Jesus? What better day than to give your life to him and to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life and save you so that from this day forward you can have overflowing joy, a joy that cannot be messed with. Would you bow your heads with me?